0: Thank you Tim, thank you instrumentalist and today uh, we also thank all the vocalists. Thank you all for ministering to us today. Love an old story about a family who went into a old country general store to get some items. And when they went in, they were shocked to see on the front of the store a sign that said, beware of dog. They thought, oh no, there's a guard dog in there. And so they went carefully up and down each aisle getting their items. Could not see a dog anywhere and they kept thinking some dog was going to jump out and bite them or bark at them at any moment. Still didn't see a dog until they got near the very back of the store and there was one old worn out dog sleeping, laying down in in the back of the store. Dog never moved, didn't realize anything was going on. You probably could have shot off a cannon, the dog wouldn't have heard it anyway. And so they came back to pay for their purchases and they asked the proprietor, said, Tell us, why is there a beware of dog sign on the front of the store? The only dog we saw was this old dog, worn out, laying in the back sound asleep. Said, so, oh, yeah, that's the dog. Said, uh, people kept tripping over him and said, we just wanted to put up a sign so people would be where there was a dog there and they wouldn't trip over him uh, anymore. Well, let me tell you, I know some Christians that are about like that dog. No one will ever worry about you because there's no beware of Christian sign on you because. Maybe they wouldn't even know you were one. I know a lot of churches like that. They've just become small holy huddles that don't bother anybody. They'll never be beware of church sign on that church. That brings us to an issue. An issue that is extremely important. An issue that if we answer it correctly could change us forever. An issue that if we deal with it rightly would set our course, our church's course and our lives' courses on a very different trajectory. It's an issue that people question in many churches, not often openly but at least quietly. It's an issue with which I have struggled my entire ministry, to be honest with you. You see, the title of the message is an unusual one. Are we to be fishers of men or keepers of the aquarium? I think that was once asked in a rather tongue-in-cheek way by someone who was wondering uh, if we have just become keepers of the aquarium rather than fishers of men. So that's the question before us today. That's the issue before us today. And it's not an altogether unhealthy question. Who are we? What is our emphasis? Are we to be fishers of men, or are we to be keepers of the fish God has already given us? It is an important question. It has a kind of attention to it that I think is healthy. So we must continue to answer, but I'm asked, but I'm going to answer it quickly and say God does want us to be both keepers of the aquarium and fishers of men. So quickly this morning, I want us first of all to see that God does want us to be keepers of the aquarium. Now that's an odd way to put it, but He does. He wants us to be keepers of the aquarium. Now I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts and keep them open. We're going to look unlike most Sundays here where we stay in one particular passage almost totally. We're going to look at a couple of different ones this morning, but primarily in the book of Acts and we come first of all to acts chapter 2 verse 42 we're going to see that the early church was deeply concerned with its caring mandate what do i mean it's deeply concerned about taking care of the fish that God already brought into the aquarium you with me so look with me at just acts 2:42 but keep your bibles open the bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. So the early church was deeply devoted to the apostles' teaching. Some might say to the teaching of God's word. Others might call it being discipled. And so the early church was deeply concerned about discipling new people and older people. It was concerned about bringing people for him where they were, point A, to where they should be, point B. So it was a church deeply concerned about building up one another. The early uh, the, the text also uses the phrase uh, fellowship. That means that which we had in common together. It, it encouraged people in those areas of common concern. Now we do, we do know also the church deeply cared, we're going to see it in just a moment, with people that needed help. God's people need to care for each other, and they did. Now, current discussion seems to revolve around was the early church socialistic? And should we as a nation be moving towards socialism? Well, I, this can make some of you mad. Again, you have to get over it. Not all parts of socialism are, the intent of socialism is not bad. It's taking care of folks, But this was a voluntary, this was a love-induced caring. Not a governmental structure saying, this is what you're going to do with, this is what I'm going to do with your wealth. It was a love-induced caring for each other. That was obvious, it was clear. They were devoted to the teaching of God's word, to the discipling of each other. They were devoted to fellowship, taking care of one another. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Yes, one old preacher said that proves the first church was always a Baptist church because they loved to eat. They loved to eat. They loved to eat. Some think that uh, heaven is going to be nothing more than a series of casseroles that people bring out to a, a casserole dinner. I hope not. But anyway, yes, they devoted themselves to loving each other, breaking bread with each other, and, yes, what else? To prayer. We'll come back to that. But as you keep your Bibles open, by the way, down in verse 46, they also cared about meeting with each other. They didn't just come to the church house on Sundays or Wednesday nights. They met together daily. So don't complain when you say, well, I've got to go to church again. No, they said, we want to go to church, so I'm going to do it every day. The early church was a beautiful church. Expression of what God wanted it to be. But how did it really find its fruition? Look just a few chapters over to chapter 6. I'm just going to reference what happened in chapter 6 because you see, the early, the consistent caring devoted the, directed the early church to become a group that showed its organization in its purpose. So they began to organize, not only pastors, bishops, or elders, as they were called, and by the way, no matter what some of the modern day churches tell you, those words are used synonymously in the Greek New Testament. So a pastor can be called, you can call me bishop today if you want to. No, I'd rather you didn't. You can call me Elder Frank. Yes, I know I am, Elder. Uh, But... Those words were used synonymously in the New Testament. But the other way they organized was through deacons. And if you look in chapter 6, you're going to see what they did because they began to organize so they could take care of one particular group of people. Verse 1, there was a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So the Hellenistic Jews complained against the Hebraic Jews uh, that the Hellenistic ones were being overlooked. Excuse me, the Jewish ones were being overlooked. So you know what they did? They got deacons to take care of that situation and it was taken care of. So it shows how they were even organized into a loving group. Instead of relegating the ministry to the U.S. government which has happened today, the church was the one that took care of people. Socialistically? No. Out of a labor of love? Absolutely. My friends, we need to understand it's exciting to see the church get excited about the study of God's word and the discipling of one another. But it's exciting to see the church get involved in caring for one another. Now some people say, well preacher, are you taking care of folk? That's what we pay you for, Preacher. Please, no one has ever said that to me. And please don't ever even think that. The job of the church is to be the church and for God's people to do what God has called us all to do and that's take care of each other. God does want us to take care of the aquarium. He does. Now over in the book of Ephesians, we're not going to go over there right now, but the Bible gives my job description. My job description is not to do your work for you. My job description is to train you in works of ministry and service. So, we pay the preacher to pay the staff? No. It's God's people's job to disciple, to teach, to care, to minister, to break bread, to pray. It's God's people's job. We need God's people to care for each other. So, does God want us to be keepers of the aquarium? The absolute answer is what? Yes. But God also wants us to be fishers of men. Quickly, I will tell you. Now, we're not going to turn to Mark. But that phrase, fishers of men, is found in Mark one seventeen, where Jesus calls some men to leave their chosen occupation of fishing to become a different kind of fisherman. And that is to be a fisher. Of men. He told that to both Simon and Andrew. Well in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. So let's look back. Turn left. Over to John chapter. Acts chapter. See I'm so used to saying John. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Where we see another call from God to the church. And what does he say? But after that you have received power. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall be my what? witnesses. You will be, you shall be my witnesses. And then where are you going to be witnesses? You're going to be my witnesses when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. My friends, the Bible tells us that God wants us to be a witness. Now witness is a key word in the uh, book of Acts. It's used 20 nine times. It is a word that is powerful and it implies one who witnesses that which one has seen or heard. Now if you ever get called to court some of you say well I've been there many times. Well if you get called to court as a witness you are not, the judge is not going to say now what did you think you heard? What do you think you saw? What did you hear somebody else say they saw or they heard? The judge wants to know, what did you see and you hear? It's got to be a personal attestation to a situation or a truth. They want to know, what did you see, what did you hear? A witness for Christ doesn't just say, well, let me tell you what my mama thought about the Lord. A witness for Christ says, here's what I have experienced. Here's what I have seen and what I have heard. Here's what he's done for me. And the most powerful witness is a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, whose life has been changed by the gospel. And they can say, I don't know about other people, but let me tell you what he's done. Let me tell you what he's brought into my life. Let me tell you what he taught me this week. Let me tell you what I have seen, heard, and experienced. The word witness is so important. Used 29 times, as I said. It comes from a Greek word that you might recognize. The Greek word is martyreo, martyr. Because in the early church, many witnesses went on to give their lives for Christ. In the passage we just looked at a moment ago, young Stephen was one of those deacons. And Stephen, Stephen the deacon, Went on to become a martyr for Christ. What does that mean? It means that he gave up his life. He was stoned to death because of his witness for Christ. That's what deacons are supposed to do. Not get stoned to death, but be a witness for Christ. Let me tell you, it was so powerful. We only see Jesus referred to in his post-ascension position of interceding for you and me. The only times he's always referred to as being seated at the right hand of God the Father, right? The only times he's mentioned as standing in heaven is when he welcomes a martyr home. And when Stephen was stoned to death, the Bible says Jesus welcomed him standing. He was a witness. And he paid the ultimate price. The Bible says that we are to be witnesses of what we have seen and heard and experienced. Acts 1-8 gives us that general outline also of the geographical spread of the gospel witness. And our witness must begin at home. Some people say, well, we've not done a good job at home. No, we haven't. One old preacher named Oswald J. Smith used to say, the light that shines the brightest, and the farthest, will shine the brightest at all. And he's right. Some of us like to do mission trips, go tell other people about Jesus in another country, but we won't tell our own neighbors about Jesus. It starts in Jerusalem right here. This is our Jerusalem. And then it goes. And I told you as Brother Randy was standing to my right-hand side up here, I will not be a part of a church that does not have a clear or cogent mission, ministry that touches every part of what Acts eight says. So we must be a part of a ministry that does ministry here and in this state and in this nation and in this world. And praise God through the ministry of the cooperative program, through international missions and North American missions through our state missions, and through our local Three Rivers associations, we are a part of seeing Acts 1-8 come to fruition. This bright light, by the way, I don't have time, but let me tell you, it goes throughout the whole book of Acts. It began with prayer in verse 14 of chapter 1. Verse 38 of chapter 2, we see the proclamation. We see one-on-one witnessing in chapter 3, verse 6. We see it continue in chapter 3, verse 12. and In chapter 4, verse 8, the fire fell. And we see in 7-2, Stephen, this deacon, witnessing with the glow of the gospel around his face. And then in chapter 8, verse 4, we see the gospel spread as the church was scattered all over the whole world. The church gathered became the church scattered all over the whole world. God says, I want you to be a fisher of men. But most churches, most people, we become inwardly focused. And we see witnessing and missions take second place in budget, time, and other resources. It is satanic It is satanic intention. To get us to focus only on ourselves and not focus outward. I told you from day one God was going to bless this fellowship. But we were not going to take the resources God gave us and say we're going to use it for us. Yes, we had some things we needed to fix up. But as we did that, we began reaching out in ministry all over this world. We're going to continue doing that. You see, God's intention is the church just become a hospital where we get restored and built up and healed up so that we might go out into the neighborhoods and into the mission field. God's intention is that we just become a refueling station where we get healed up, patched up, refueled to go out and do God's work. God never meant for us to sit, soak, and sour. He never meant for us to stay at the table so long that we became lazy and overfed and useless. I can also go to a church. I tell you, I can go to a church and I can, I've done this many times when I used to travel a lot and say, show me your prayer list. And invariably, a prayer list would mention 99 people who had a sore toe. And there might be one mention of somebody that needed to come to Christ. God help us. When we become so inwardly focused that all we care about is somebody's hurt toe. Okay, I'm being a little little hyperbolic there. But you know what I mean. The spiritual needs of a lost world ought to be at the paramount of who we are. God wants us to be fishers of men. Years ago I wrote a great book. Great book. Sent it out. The publishers near and far. And every one of them rejected it. Oh, it was a great book. The title was good. The rest of the book wasn't that good. And I'm not teasing. No, that was hyperbole. That was all true. The title was Black Hole Baptist Church. And I used an illustration out of astronomy. That scientists have found throughout the universe. Throughout the galaxies that which they call black holes they really don't know what black holes are they think black holes are stars that have gotten old and become supernovas and then began to disintegrate and imploded upon themselves they say our stars not quite old enough to be a supernova so we don't have to worry thing for several million more years okay We're doing that pretty good on Earth. We don't need to worry about killing ourselves. We're doing that pretty good right here, aren't we? But a supernova that implodes upon itself becomes a black hole, and it it has a gravitational pull that is so powerful that it sucks in other star systems into it, never to be seen again, they say. Why do I go off into this rabbit trail? Because I know churches just like that. They'll suck the life out of pastors and ministers and deacons and men and women who want to serve the Lord. It'll suck the life out of them. And they become black hole Baptist churches that say, everything's about us, us, us. Preacher, didn't we pay you to take care of us? And churches don't want prophets. They want chaplains. Just take care of us, preacher. That's what you're here for. Well, I hope I am a chaplain, but let me tell you, when I cease becoming a prophet, I'm going to hang it up. God wants us to be fishers of men, not a black hole Baptist church that focuses upon just us. When we become more worried about caring for ourselves than reaching our air for Jesus, we ought to just put an out of business sign on the door. Because it's not going to say, beware church anymore. Are we supposed to be keepers of the aquarium? Say it, yes or no? Yes. yes. But are we also supposed to be fishers of men? Yes. yes. My simple prayer today is God help Pebble Creek Baptist Church to always keep that balance. We can lose that balance anytime. But God help us to keep that balance. Pray with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray for that. I worry about that, Lord. I do. I admit that. I get concerned about that. But I know, God, what you've called us to. And I know what you've called us for. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us an ever sense of awareness and even tension that we should never let that get out of balance. Please, Lord, keep us focused on what you want us to do. And every day, Lord, may we say... How can I be a keeper of the aquarium, but also how can I be a fisher of men? Who can I witness to? Who can I tell about you? Lord, give me that opportunity. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Before we conclude, before we sing anymore, before we do anything else, we're going to have one more reading together. And so I invite you to turn to the screen. And let me begin by saying that recognizing the Almighty God does not dwell in houses made with hands. That heaven is His throne and earth is His footstool. He cannot be contained in the heaven of heavens, much less this house cannot contain Him. We follow the admonition and directive given to Moses, who built a tabernacle in which His name would be recorded and His honor dwell. And wherein His glory was sanctioned, we now re-consecrate this building as a house of worship. We designate this place, Pebble Creek Baptist Church, located here in Taylor's, to our God where together we will focus for worship, praise, thanksgiving, and prayer. Here we may, may his inspired, infallible, inerrant word be shared. His ordinances be administered. His people be blessed so as to serve him well. Within this community, with a vision for the salvation of the world, fishers of men, may... We increase his kingdom as souls are saved by faith in the saving lord our lord Jesus Christ. We now accept this building for its intended use with thanksgiving to God. We are gathered to rededicate set apart this building which God has prospered his people renovate which God has prospered his people to renovate for his glory. This place shall be a place where the gospel of salvation shall be shared through the ministry of the word where Christian lives shall be developed this disciple toward spiritual maturity through Christian fellowship with when joy, joy and, grateful and grateful hearts we join in this ministry. act of rededication, rededication this building. building to God everlasting God in whom we live and move and have our being from whom every comes every good and perfect gift whose mercy and grace we are saved we, we do, do now, now with, with reverence and, reverence and, gratitude, and gratitude rededicate This house of worship. To Jesus Christ, our crucified, resurrected, living, and coming again, Lord, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, who is the way, the truth, and the life. We gratefully rededicate this, your church building, to his glory. To the Holy Spirit, source of light, and life comforter of all those who are born again, to the one who alone can apply the finished work of Christ to the soul, give the new life of faith in the Son of God to all who would receive him, we prayerfully rededicate this this church church building. building. Oh God, you are present in all places of your dominion to accept the services of all your people who hear us. We humbly pray, and by your Holy Spirit, reconsecrate this house. We now rededicate to you for the worship of your holy name, the ministry of your word, the administration of your ordinances. We We rededicate rededicate this this house. house for comfort for those who mourn, for strength for those who are weak, for help for those who are tempted, for guidance for those who have lost their way. We, we rededicate, rededicate this, house this house of God for the sanctity of the family, the purity and guidance of children and youth, for the renewal of fellowship, the building of Christian character. We, we rededicate, rededicate, rededicate this building, building as a tribute of gratitude, of faith, of hope, and love, an offering of thanksgiving, of praise, and praise from those who have found salvation, experience the riches of God's praise, grace. Gratefully, we rededicate, rededicate, rededicate this, this house, house of the, of the Lord. Lord. For the privilege to send forth the gospel into all the world, the giving of hope and courage to all who labor in service to the Lord. We We rededicate rededicate this building, building, and and we, by by consecrating ourselves ourselves anew, rededicate this building as a temple for the worship and praise of Almighty God. God. In the spirit and name of Jesus Jesus Christ, Christ, our our Lord and and Savior. Savior. Amen. Amen. Now, would you pray with me, please? Father God, we thank you that we can recommit this church house to you. That many decades ago, people gathered here. And over the years, many have served. But God, now you've given us a new day. And we have done what we've done, Lord, so that we might be not only keepers of the aquarium, but fishers of men. May more and more people be saved and discipled in this place. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.